Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot. Yo. And Johnson. Special guest in the house, Guido. Special guest in the house. So excited. Going to be with us off and on this season during basketball. Number 45 from West Virginia University. Played on the 1998 Sweet 16. Or 19. Yeah, 1998 Sweet 16 team. Brent Solheim. Thanks for joining us, Brent. Thank you. It's a pleasure to join you guys. Yeah, Big fan of the show. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if I'd say <laughs> it it's a pleasure. a pleasure. I don't know. That's, that's like me a stretch. <laughs> He's here. Let's see if it's a pleasure later. I've uh, enjoyed <laughs> listening to your guys' take on football and everything. It's uh, certainly a fun show, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, we can't. We're super excited to have you. This is this is going to be fun. Yeah, this will this will be great. So uh, you know, everybody everybody knows you, Brent. You were you know a four year starter really at WVU um, in the in the mid '90s and played on that that awesome. Uh, team in 98 that sort of surprised sweet 16 team if you will i mean i'm sure you guys went into it knowing you could get that far but uh it was, it, it, for all of us as fans it was definitely a surprise to see you guys go that deep yeah well this was the first time 1998 was the first time wvu made it to the sweet 16 in something like 30 years it had been yeah. a really long time so i don't think anyone looked at us and thought oh yeah this team can make a a, a nice run into the tournament when uh the season started but uh you know, we we did get some big wins. We we beat a number, I believe they were number six rated UConn team at home, and we had some other really big wins that year. And um, yeah, it, it was it was fun. It was it was a great run. You know, it was only three three games in, but uh, my goodness, that that was that was definitely the highlight of my college career. Brent, how? Uh, let me ask really quick. How I'm trying to remember how many how many seasons of Big East play. Did you get in before you graduated? You you so early your first season we were still A10, right? You're right. So the first season we played in the Atlantic 10 and uh saw my sophomore year was the first year that WVU joined the Big East. Okay. And and that that first season your your freshman season. You were were, were you a true freshman or did you redshirt? No, I, I was a true freshman. I I came in and uh West Virginia was rebuilding that year. They had a, a senior dominant team the year before. And it was pretty much wide open. I want to say we had six guys who had never played college basketball before um, my freshman year. And I was lucky enough to be one of two guys that started every single game that 94-95 season. Now, was the other one Damian Owens? No, I think it was Zane Shaw. I'm trying Damian to, I'm trying might to have think had who a, would have. an injury or something and, and didn't start. It was only like a game or two. But only, I think Zane and I were the only two. That started every game that that okay. uh, that first year, and then and then that '98 team, you know, going back to it, which I'm sure you know, you guys have to talk about a lot. You guys have all stayed close to through the years, and and that team, you know, every so often they'll do something at the Coliseum to to remember that team. Um, you still talk to all those guys? Oh yeah, um, a, a lot of it. A lot of the communication now is like through even like Facebook and 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 even just text messaging. So. One thing that, you know, Huggins was actually involved with that Sweet Six team from a perspective as we we beat them when he was coaching Cincinnati. But when he came back to West Virginia, he did a really nice job of, you know, inviting all of the alumni back, even guys that he didn't coach to come back. And now we have an alumni weekend every single year where 
we all meet Friday night and have dinner, you know, have a few drinks. Saturday, we'll uh, walk out on the court at halftime, get something to eat after the game as well. And, and that has allowed a lot of the former alumni to meet a lot of players that they never knew before. You know, when, when I came to WVU, I didn't know any of the players. I, I'm from Minnesota. So, but ever since I played, 98 was my last season. I've been a fan of WVU from the 99 season through now. So I've, I've watched all of the players now, but I would have never had the opportunity to meet any of the older players had it not been for Huggins and bringing back and having the alumni weekend and all that. So it's been a lot of fun to meet all of those guys, and I see a lot of my teammates as well. And I bet that's pretty neat for your son to see Dad go out, you know, walk across the floor at the Coliseum. And- There's been a few times where it was just him and I coming to the game and I'm not going to leave a five-year-old up in the stands by himself. So he actually got to walk out on the carpet with me. So he he really thought he was something. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Yeah, it was neat. Well, we, uh, you know, the cool thing about having you on this year with us, and we're super excited about it, is the fact that you know it's somebody to help us break down basketball, talk more about basketball, and and I'm sure along the way you'll have stories that'll sort of interject from your career as to you know kind of reflect on what's happening with the players now so we, i don't want it to feel like we're interrogating you all the time no so no all good this 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 year we're going to kind of break down this basketball team that you know for wvu that has a ton of hype coming into this season and um it starts with the fact that you know we've got so many guys so many starters returning i mean we lose logan route chase harler jermaine haley all seniors that left last year and then brandon napper transfers out um but you have a team like this that has returned so many seniors, uh, guys. What like, what's what's what do you think Johnson is needs to happen with this team in order for them to be successful? Based off of last year, which was also pretty successful. Yeah. Well, my first concern is that the season itself needs to happen. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I mean, I know we're going to dig in here, but my my fear right now, especially Guido, as you see more of these teams, we now just you know I think just most recently Creighton is now out of the as Scoot would say, the big bad boys crossover. The bad boys crossover classic. classic yeah, crossing right. over somewhere. through the classic. So, it, you know, it's like I'm starting to just get worried that is are we even going to ha- – is is this tournament even going to happen? I think um, it was interesting earlier this week that I think Shane Lyons and the athletic department actually doubled down. I think Hugs was even in on that too, saying, no, we're definitely – participating and the tone now it's interesting that the tone now has been like well you know it it went from there's going to be some heavy hitters to to really get a sense of you know talent wise performance wise how we're faring and now we're kind of like the big or at least i feel like we're we're now kind of the big dog the big name in the tournament so that's maybe a little bit different and i think the interesting thing about it you know looking at they they actually did a little bit of i actually saw a little article online about it so this tournament this place they're playing the stanford pentagon the whatever pentagon it's yeah it's like literally out in the middle of nowhere it's in the middle of a cornfield and then like i'm not exaggerating like there is like cornfield 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 and then there's a, a, a stadium um so you feel like they're well insulated from well, COVID, not only right? that yeah but the 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 hotel that they're staying at like you can throw a rock from the stadium and hit it so oh, okay. I, and, and it's right. right next to the airport so i feel like okay west virginia is looking at it as all right the, they're with this is super kind of bubble eye. so it should be able to control the environment type of thing but I, I'm with you. I mean, Scooty, and we kind of were talking about this earlier. It's like now we've gone from, you know, we were playing Duke and we had Ohio State and we had Texas A&M and Crichton. I guess if I have an issue, my biggest concern is 
<clears throat> let's say we play some games. I don't want us to have a great season and then people to think, well, we need to put an asterisk with the 2021 season because we may have had to reschedule a game or a game gets canceled or because I think we're going to have some of that. Sure. So that's my big concern is that I think it will cheapen how good this team actually is. And I don't want that to happen because I do think it's a, a what looks to be a pretty pretty deep team. Well, and Brent, do you think, like, we've been talking early on leading up to this, like, I think originally the guys were supposed to head to the Bahamas and play, you know, the, like... The Battle of Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? So, and they were going to play some, you know, Duke, I think, you know, who else was originally in, guys? Ohio it was State Ohio was in State. there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you... I don't know if you have, I, you know, I remember, you know, you guys traveling to, like, Puerto Rico and stuff, you know, for tournaments, I guess... Do you think the motivation is still there when? Yeah, are you excited to go to South Dakota? Uh, Seriously, honestly, these guys, I would expect them to be not as excited. I mean, you're going, you're originally going to the Battle of Atlantis, and you're playing Duke, you're playing Ohio State. I mean, if you come out of there with uh, winning the tournament, man, you have a ton of momentum, and you are already on the national stage. Now, if you go out to, like, we went to the San Juan shootout in 98, and one of the games was against Puerto, Puerto Rico Mayaguez. And <laughs> Coach got honest about them that said that their players weren't even there for basketball. They were there for engineering. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so these guys are now going out to South Dakota. You know, let's say they beat the Jackrabbits and they beat a couple other mid-major teams. You know, they walk away with uh, that title. How much momentum does that really give us? Uh, Probably not that much. Yeah, or or not nearly what it would have. Yeah. Well, I made yeah. a bold statement saying that had we won the battle for Atlantis with all of the original teams, I think we're preseason 15. I think we are flirting between 5 and 10, I think, after that tournament, if we were to win the tournament. So let me ask you this. What happens if WVU goes out to South Dakota and plays in the bad boys big <laughs> Mower. crossing over classic classic, classic yeah and what happens if they don't win this tournament what happens if they drop a game yeah well that's the thing though right i mean then you feel like oh geez we probably should have came around you know came away with that championship i agree then it's almost a bad then it's almost a downer like a demotivator so there's there's right. so much hype for this team though that I, what worries me a little bit about a tournament like this is they believe the hype and they go in and don't need to come out 100 percent and like we were talking about earlier, if you don't put away a, a mid-major team early on, they start to believe that they can beat you. And that becomes – you see that sometimes in the NCAA tournament where, you know, a 15-team plays a two and they they you know they don't come Vermont. out playing hard. Vermont always yeah. wins. Exactly. Like that. So that's one thing I worry about with a team like this is, hey, they've, they've seen the hype all summer. They've seen the hype all preseason. They come in and they're going to walk all over everyone. And that does not happen with a mid-major team that especially is playing a power five team. And they're, it's it's might be their biggest game of their season. So they're going to come in playing like it's the the national title game. And, and if we're not up for it, I could see us taking an L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, Guido, maybe to answer your question too, I think coming in we've heard about some big improvements from some players, I think. We've got expectations, obviously, for Oscar, but we've also been hearing, you know, chirping about like Culver being really the leader. Um, and then people like Taz Sherman and um, I think 
uh, who is it? McNeil. Um, Josh. Yeah. Well, Josh yeah. likes to call him uh, shot robot. shot robot, which I like. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about improved shooting. So my mind, I guess to answer your question, one of the things I'm anxious to see is has that outside shooting really improved? I would love that to be the case. One thing about shooters coming off of the bench that I've seen, you, when you come off the bench, you're cold. It's tough to get right into the game and just start knocking down threes. You got to run up and down the court a little bit. You got to get a, a break of sweat. And it's tough for shooters to come out, immediately hit shots, or you know, go back to the bench if you're relieving someone for a couple minutes. So if, I, if you got guys like Sean McNeil and Taz Sherman that are getting more minutes this year, I expect their field goal percentage to go up significantly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I, I agree, and and it's, I think it'll also be interesting this year. So one of the things off of last year's team, and and losing the fact that we had you know Jermaine Haley, who I know wasn't standout and always a starter, but he he led the team last year in um, shot percentage. So. It's one of those things where you lose a guy who made his shots when he needed to make his shots. We got to make sure that we got somebody picking those up. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, too, that's funny to hear you say that because it was an interesting year for Haley because he didn't always start, but he was largely he might even come in and still lead in uh, points, especially points off the bench. So that's interesting to see how we shuffle guys around this year and kind of make up for some of that some of that play he was such an interesting guy in that he was six seven and as a point guard he's a tough matchup yeah. i think yeah for sure well it'll be interesting and then so what do we think about the new guys that we're going to see this year i mean the names that we're hearing a lot of you know the jalen bridges the isaiah cottrells the kedrian johnsons like um you know those three guys you know i think are going to see more time on the court and how do they fit into this team you know this year Hey, that's a, that's a good question because, you know, these guys that are coming in, they have to take time from somebody. So wh whose time do they take? Isaiah Cottrell, yeah. okay? He's 6'10". He's a freshman, 240, big body. Wait, is he going to take half of Oscar's time? I, I yeah, don't think so. Right. So you got, you know, if Culver, sometimes he gets in the doghouse, you know, now we can substitute Isaiah in for him if he does. But, you know, I mean, Culver and, and Oscar are so – you know, so much potential, you know, they're so good. If they're on their game, I don't know how much time Cottrell takes from them. Do you think maybe he hurts Gabe Osaboyan's time, Cottrell? If, if he hurt anyone's time, that's who I would think. That's where we'd see some of his time. You know, Gabe is 6'7". Gabe kind of reminds me of a Cam Thurman. Yeah, no, right? no, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But Isaiah is such a, you know, he's three inches taller uh, at times, Gabe can be undersized inside, but he plays hard. He's he's a he's a decent athlete, but uh, yeah, you got a guy coming in that's uh, Cottrell. I think he's going to take some of Gabe's minutes for sure. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch because there will be some shuffling. I think you know what we love about Gabe though is his his defense. I guess we'll see if uh, I think if Cottrell is able to score the ball, then yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting shuffle. Right, Gabe's not much of a scorer, so anything you get out of Gabe. Watching Gabe play defense is just so much fun. I mean, the kid's oh, yeah. got arms for days. Like, right, he's got well, and he's like, got a motor. I mean, he doesn't stop. So I'm interested to see uh, in this crossover classic, you know, the rotations that Huggins starts with. Because I mean, I can't. I've been looking at this roster now for two weeks, and I, I I'm not sure I'm sold on what the starting five is. I mean, I think we can probably name three really easily, but you know, are we going to see Taz in there more for starters? Uh, you know, where is 
you know, it's are we going to have what we had last year with Jordan McCabe where it's like he's there and he's not there? Or, is, you know, as Miles taken, has Deuce taken that rollover? Brent, do you think we'll go back to – does it does it determine – like what will determine that is if we go back to more like a press Virginia or do you think we – because we went away from it. Do you think we just didn't have the guys? I, I think we're so big this year that it's going to be tough to put a full-court press on with Oscar and Culver out at the same time or – Maybe you could have Oscar at the front of a of a diamond press and have Culver go back. I could see that happening, but I don't think there's any way Miles McBride comes off the bench this year. He he's in my in my opinion, a lot of the times last year the game would come down to the end and he would be the guy that everyone would look to to make something happen. You know, mm-hmm. to take that uh, mid range shot or to take it to the hoop. I don't think there's any way he's coming off the bench this year. So I, I don't think yeah. it's a matter of press Virginia versus drop back. I think it's Miles McBride, in my opinion, was so dominant at times last year and with a, a full season under his belt and a full off season of work, I don't think he's coming off the bench and I think he's going to get as many minutes as anyone does. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that. I, if, if what we've been hearing, you know, lives, lives up to the, to the, you know, rumors live up to the truth. I, I don't know how you're going to get him off the court. He seems like someone that's going to get a bulk of the minutes at the guards. I guess it'll be interesting to see like back to Guido's question, you know, is between, between Sherman um, and shot robot, you know, who do we, who do we think is playing a lot of the two? I think you've got to say McBride's probably man in the one in most cases, right? Oh Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think if Jordan comes in and Miles are, is in at the same time, I think you might see Miles at, at a two spot. But okay. I, I think Miles is bringing the ball up the court, and uh, you know McNeil or Taz. Uh, that's a that's a dogfight to see who gets you know the Lions' amount of, of points, and and it may be you know they can both at times be streaky shooters. So it, it might Rivers be hot. you know they they might. They might rotate time starting depending on who's got the hot hand during the season. It's, it's so hard to judge there. And then what do you think about uh, – I think Emmett uh, Matthews, of course, is the three. But do you see Jalen Bridges maybe sliding in when he's out? That, that's another tough one. So, uh, you know, I definitely would lean towards Matthews starting. Jalen Bridges, it's tough to come in as a freshman and uh, and start over someone who's – you know, Emmett Matthews at times is phenomenal, and other times, you know, he's he's, he's a, a ghost. Yeah, he's a ghost. So, Jalen Bridges, when he when um, Matthews starts becoming, you know, invisible on the court, I think we'll have Bridges come in and sub substitute for him. And I'm Bridges is the guy that I'm most excited about watching this year to see. You know, he's from Fairmont, the same town I live in right now, and uh, I got to say, see him play some in high school, and I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do out there um in the big 12 i'm not sure if you know this i was gonna say guido uh played side by side jalen's dad Uh so we're thinking that maybe jalen's dad showed some old videos of guido kind of showing showing jalen how to play that's a good possibility (laughs) or how to pull up to a table one of the two Well, Guido, what do you think? So we're, you know, we're obviously talking about this, this kickoff tournament and we'll, I guess, you know, we'll obviously be talking about this week to week um, with Brent too on basketball previews, but I mean, Ken Palm pretty much packed is the top 10 with the big 12 conference. I mean, I think four of the top nine were five, five of the top 10, okay. five teams in the big 12 are in Ken Palm's top 10. I mean, that's now, crazy. 
you know, say what you want. If you look at the AP poll, it's completely different. I mean, we have five in the top 20 in the AP poll. Okay. But Ken Palm is, you know, it's all stats, numbers. It's it's for you and me, Johnson. It's geeky stuff. Yeah. I mean, when and, I saw that, I just was like, wow. Talk about an eyebrow raise. I mean, you it's it's going to be a battle, to say, to say the least, in this conference. Well, and I think that's what makes it – and I mean, this is a typical WVU fan comment right here. But that's what makes it so frustrating in some ways because this is a phenomenal team WVU has this year. And – Baylor, I mean, Kansas always has a team I that they've Kansas. given free shoes to, but <laughs> Baylor and uh, and in Kansas and Texas Tech all have really good teams this yeah, year in the Big 12, right. so and I think it makes it, you know, that even more, gives me a little more agita than normal just because <laughs> we have such a good team. I think I saw a Kansas top returning scorer average nine points per game yeah. last year. Yet they're predicted in the top, you know, they're projected to start in the top five. Third? Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, Marcus Garrett, who is, I guess, the National Defensive Player of the Year. Right, yep. Um, I think he's the returning scorer with the most points, with 9.9 or something. Yeah. That's crazy to me that they would even project them to be, I mean, they're going to have to score points somewhere. But I think last year was even, you know, looking back at it, I think last year was even one of those things where you go, you know, how much does all of this really matter at this point, especially in a season like this where it's, you know, what do we have for, you know, what's what's really going to show up for teams and players and what games are we actually going to have? And, right. you know, when does a player get tested positive and then you miss, you lose, you know, Oscar for three games because of that? Like, those are all things yeah. that are so weird this year. Yeah, don't even, don't even say do that. Do you lose Oscar? Do you lose the whole team? I mean, what is that? Right. The, right. Yeah. Then you have contact tracing and the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's probably going to play a big factor hopefully not too big of a factor but i guess you know that's that's something we'll be monitoring i think what's interesting and you know looking at last year's team and you look at like all huggins teams so like we were the number one uh or one of the top rate you know we were number one in offensive rebounding last year we were one of the top you know rebounding teams in the country last year and then you flip that and you look at things like free throw percentage and we were like near the bottom of d1 and free throw percentage and and you think about a huggins coach team in general that's kind of you know the direction yeah, that they usually have right um but does like does the player do the players that we have this year really kind of help out and push that free throw percentage back up with some better shooters this year like poor Derek culver i felt like the poor guy he was always <laughs> at the line and there was i, I mean well and then so much talk about how, how much success he was. Yeah. you know like he was under the microscope at the foul line the whole season i felt like I mean, he was, he's always at the line. He gets fouled all the time. And I feel bad but for But I guy. guess, Guido, you, you made the note that we were 333rd out of 347 D1 teams in free throw percentage. Free so percentage. one would think that. Uh, 64% free throw percentage <laughs> is rough. One would Super think we could rough. improve. Yeah. yeah. Brent, in a, in a typical season, how, how much focus. Does a coach put on free throws? Well, one thing about it is when you got guys like Culver that are bangers inside and not great shooters, they are going to get to the line a lot and they're not going to make, you know, 90% of them. You get guys like uh, Taz in there and, and McNeil that are attacking the basket. Now, those guys are more of, of spot shooters, but you got to get your guards, you got to get your shooter shooting more free throws to uh, get that percentage up there. I don't think, I don't see Culver all of a sudden becoming a 90% free throw shooter. At times it's rough. It's rough to watch. 
It is. It is. But, I mean, he can certainly improve, but I, you're not going to see a 15% improvement in free throw percentage. Looking at the looking at this team, you know, for you guys, like what what is it that you need to – you feel like, at least in this, this mid-major classic that we're playing well, – I'm going to just rename it the mid-major classic. <laughs> Us in the mid-majors. Yeah. What what is it that we need to see in these three games that we're going to play on this week that will make you feel good about this or feel comfortable about this team? Well, they got to uh, they got to control the pace. They got to control the tempo. We can't let those guys come up, set up their offense, get the shots they want. We need. I, I would personally, I would probably start oppressing these teams, um, put in some type of trapping half court offense where we are, you know, forcing them to get uncomfortable or maybe even going a uh, in your face man to man like we see a lot of Huggins teams doing. I mean, we see Huggins teams from from when he first started at WVU, I noticed we went from a a, a very set offense with B-line taking outside shots to a, a much more aggressive man-to-man defense. So I, I think what we're going to see is we're going to get in these guys' face uh, and make them uncomfortable. And, and I think that's what you need to do against most mid-major teams is get in get in their grill. Most of the times, and I, I'm generalizing some here, most of the times the pack or the power five teams are a little bit more athletic, a little bit bigger, a little stronger, a little faster, but uh, fundamentally they're not that different. But I, I do think the bigger schools have a little bit better athletes, and that's what really makes the difference. Do you think Coach Huggins coaches more of a vintage Big East style? Oh, I, compared I absolutely to, do. I mean, I, I just think compared to me, even maybe the rest of the Big 12, I still think Coach Huggins kind of has that Big East mentality. A couple of big men, throw it to the big man and let him do some work. I absolutely agree with that. And, and Huggins' teams, you know – he kind of gets a rap as a coaching overly aggressive teams. And that's the kind of basketball I really like to see. And sometimes it comes down to the officiating where if they're allowing a little bit of that contact, we have a massive advantage. But if they're calling every little touch foul, yeah. that then yeah. you know that gives an advantage to, possibly to the other team. So mm-hmm. I, I've always enjoyed watching Huggins teams play and, and that style of play. And I would have loved to have played – you know, that same style back, you know, in, in 1998 where we did have some more physical play. But I, I, I love Hugs as a coach, and you'll never hear me say anything bad about him. But, uh, um, yeah, I just – it is an old-school biggie style of basketball, and, and I, that's just what I enjoy watching. Yeah, and I think, too, Guido, for me, like to kind of follow on what Brent's saying because of that, I think – how many times over the last, I know we talked about it last season, even the season before that, how many times do we look at a box score and we say, wow, how is it possible that we got up 22 more shots and we lost by like six points or something? So I think for me, that's why I brought up, you know, the stuff we're hearing about like uh, McNeil, Taz, just shooting in general being improved. I would love to just see us hit not even some giant, you know, leap in shooting percentage, just just knock down when we get good open shots, knock them down, finish at the rim, stuff like that, so that we're not having that conversation. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Scott. Um, if you look at our three pro, or our three point percentage from last year, Taz led it with uh, you know thirty three point three percent, so he's making one out of every three shots. And right there with him was McNeil at point three three zero. So those guys are both you know hitting one out of three shots, and we're 
we're talking about them like they're our best shooters by far. Those guys, when they start getting more time, I'm anticipating their uh, three-point percentage to go up. I don't want to say significantly, but to go up. And some of the other guys certainly should go up as well. Yeah, it just seems like if we could just hit and I'm not like I said I'm not I'm not saying like some huge leap but even just seeing progress there I think that would be such a big difference. I couldn't agree more. Jordan McCabe starting point guard didn't even shoot 21% from three points. We got to have better shooting than that. Yeah, definitely. Now, now Brent, is there a player on this year's team that reminds you of you at all? <laughs> Oh, I would probably say if you held a gun to my head and said this, you know, one person, I would probably say Gabe, you know, a a guy who doesn't have the athletic talent as like an Oscar or a Culver, but works hard, does what he can on defense, is scrappy. Probably that that would be the guy that I would say I was I was most like. Scoot, uh, who would you feel like you're most like? Well, uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm glad you asked uh intramurals i think the teams i would have i would have played against would say i was very similar to oscar minus the explosive dunking defense jumping but outside of that uh he's probably a better passer otherwise though uh otherwise we're we're very similar yeah oh okay Oscar, by the way, named to the Naismith watch list recently, which I think is super exciting. So, Guido, back to what you were saying. I mean, there is so much hype right now. And I I think that's why I'm hoping we get some basketball. I'm hoping we dodge COVID enough, not just WVU, but, you know, college sports in general. We can keep things rolling and at least get, you know, some complement of games into to get some enjoyment. It would I think that's what makes me nervous is just the thought that maybe the endeavor gets hijacked by, you know, not being able to play a game. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll find out soon. So West Virginia plays on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time in the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic. I did it right that time. It'd be just so much easier if it was Battle for Battle for Mount Rushmore or something. Battle for Mount Rushmore. Uh, And and as of right now, unless it changes in the next, you know, few days, as of a recording of the show, we're playing Northern Iowa for our first game. No, we're playing South Dakota State now. Oh, did they change it already? Yes. No. Oh, wow, geez. See, you can't even keep up with it. They're changing it so much. (laughs) We're playing some random mid-major on on uh wednesday and then uh, they'll be they'll, they'll continue to play so there's they're definitely going to play on thursday and friday it just uh, depends on who wins and who and who loses. look all you need to know scoot eat turkey watch basketball that's all that's all you need eat to turkey know. watch basketball espn i am i will say this i am kind of excited to see memphis i'm glad memphis is still in there with penny hardaway and i know that he lost james wiseman and uh precious achua but i'm i'm still interested to see how uh, how they do, and I know that they're a kind of an up and coming uh, team with Penny at at the helm. That's an also receiving votes team, so they're not ranked, but it's an also receiving votes team. Uh, so we'll find out. Also, uh, news that came out this week, which was kind of on the depressing end of things, um, our home opener against Youngstown State was postponed, which essentially will end up being canceled. I don't know if they'll make that game back up. Um, that uh, Youngstown State's having some COVID issues on their team. So they have shut down the basketball operations. Or they're scared. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> no, where there's maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's well. You know. I think you're right though, Guido. About my my first thought was that's probably a game that just gets canceled, right? I don't yeah. know where you work that back in, unfortunately. So that that does stink. But yeah, SID right now says it's 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 postponed, but I have a feeling it'll be. So that'll make our first first game against Georgetown. Which how exciting is that for you, Brent? That they're going to actually be playing a Big East team. I love it. I absolutely love any of these Big East matchups. You know, I would love to get Georgetown on the schedule regularly. I'd like to have Pitt on the schedule regularly. Um, you know, when I played, the team had Allen Iverson, Othella Harrington, Jahidi White, Jerome Williams. Four of their five starters were, were future NBA players. And uh, that was some hard-nosed basketball back then. So I'm, I'm really, really happy to see us get Georgetown back in the schedule. Yeah, so that game's on December 6th in D.C. Uh, on Fox Sports 1, so also nationally televised too. So that'll be cool. Well, listen, guys, we need to take a quick break. Brent, if you have time, uh, can you hang around for the next segment? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be uh, right back with everybody's favorite game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast, a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluff. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. All right, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson and, and Brent Solheim. So that's awesome. And joining us for Bluff the Fluffs. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on social media. Look for us at Got Your Ears on Instagram and Twitter and search for us on the Facebook. So, Johnson, last week, Scooty beat you in the Battle of Pickles. Crushed you. On Bluff the Fluff. Yeah, it was bad. And now you were only up two games, 13 to 11. End of the year's yeah, coming. he's closing the gap. He's closing the gap, and we're getting close to the end of the year where we pick a champion. So this is the time where we come with the sports topic that I don't know about. So, so. so here, here we go. So last year, last week, this week I thought it was just super appropriate to have a little bit of Bluff the Fluffs, West Virginia University Sports Podcast number one game show, uh, about our guest, our friend. Oh, boy. Friend of the podcast, Brett Solheim. So these are all questions. Oh, oh this is, this this is going to be tough. Rigged. No, this is rigged. How well... Do you know? You went to school with him. I didn't go to school with him. This is rigged. Uh, this is great. I love it already. I, I oh, know. God. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. As always, before we started, we just want to remind everybody a correct answer is worth five points. A steal is worth 10 points. And final bluff is worth 25 points. Before we started, we had a complete and random total flip of the coin. And Johnson, you came out on top. You yes. get to go first. I love All this right. random coin flip. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Brent, as you can see, none of this is rigged. This is all <laughs> no rigging it's whatsoever. It's definitely rigged. All right, Johnson, first question. First question is for you. All right, let's do this. While at WVU, how many total games did Brent Solheim play in at WVU? Was it 109, 113, 97, or 94. Oh, God. 
Oh, this is tough. I, I love it when you have these questions that are for random yet oddly enough close together choices. Um, the real question is, I wonder if Brent knows the answer to this question, <laughs> but um, I, I think so. Brent was hurt for a period of time too, sprinkled in there. Um, I'm going to go, I think it's still a hundred plus Guido. So what were my two 100 plus options? 109 or 103 uh i'm gonna go 103 sorry that's incorrect scoot for 10 points okay. in the steal. so this is random but i uh, i feel like at one point joe airbear was joe airbear had a lot of games played and i think at one point he was like the most yeah well but that, that was, whole five that he was with i think yeah had, and pat beeline as yeah. well Jamie Collins, um, all those guys. Yeah, so this is I'm scoot stalling for the answer. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go on the lower end. I'm gonna say 97. It's incorrect, guys. Come on, it was 109. Wow. 109 games. Oh, I should have went with the. I knew it was 100 plus. Did you know that, Brent? Did you know? Did you remember? I did not know the exact number. I know that I played in every single game for four years, with the exception of. I want to say six or eight games my sophomore year when I had a broken hand. Yeah. Hmm. So your sophomore year, you played in, in 19 games. Yeah, so you had a little little downtime there, a little downtime there. So nobody gets any points on this one, guys. Like, come on. I mean, I thought this was kind of embarrassing. I mean, He's right here. You can't answer these questions. I know. it's it's uh, that, that was bad. All right, Scoot, this one is to you. Brent ranks fourth all-time at his high school, John Marshall Rockets, uh, in scoring with 1,272 points. Currently ranks fourth. What current Duke Blue Devil is first all-time at John Marshall with 3,819 points? Is it DJ Stewart, Matthew Hurt, Jalen Johnson, or Wendell Moore? Current Duke Okay, Blue current Devil. Duke player. Now... How many points did you say he scores or scored? The current Duke, the current yeah. number one, three thousand eight hundred and nineteen. Can I just say that is a ridiculous amount That's of points? That's a crazy amount of, amount of points. I mean, how many shots are you taking a game to get that many points? That's a lot. Nobody else gets any shots. Uh, I mean, you got to average. What do you? I mean, you, I don't even want to think about how much you have to average. But anyway, um, uh, I don't know his first name again, but I think it's Hurt is his last name. That's correct. Matthew, Matthew Hurt. Hurt. All right. So, hey, I got to jump in here with some information. So um, I held the school record for 19 years. And uh, then there was a, a guard came up. They, he played, I want to say, four years. I played three years, 10th, 11th, 12th. Um, but then Matthew, his older brother, then beat this this other guard to hold a position. And then Matthew beat his brother you know a couple years after that but matthew started playing uh or uh, varsity in eighth grade Ooh, so that's something okay. you know in, in west virginia here you can only play four years of a varsity sport in minnesota if you're a dominant athlete you can play varsity as an eighth grader so he so have you petitioned your high school to put a big asterisk beside <laughs> that I, I have not no no i probably should but uh i have not no <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like there's some athletic director that needs a letter. That's all I'm saying. Well, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Like, I, I didn't know that anyone did that. Like, you could play in eighth grade. I didn't know that. That's that's still a ridiculous amount of points. No, man. Though. He, yeah. you guys, I would I would go home and see him. You know, I'd be home for Christmas and go watch him play. And I remember his 
ninth or 10th grade year, I, I posted on Facebook, there's a kid that goes to my high school that's good enough to play for Duke or Kentucky. And, uh, you know, a couple people DM'd me. I'm friends with some other college coaches uh, in the SEC, and they're like, hey, who are you talking about? And uh, and then he did eventually end up going to Duke. So uh, a little funny story there. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. All right, Scoot gets the question right and takes a 5 to nothing lead over you, Johnson. And this next question is back to you. While in high school, I don't know if you know this, Brent was also a punter on his high school football team. What was his punt average his senior year at John Marshall? This is ridiculous that you have these stats. Where are you getting these stats? That's what I want to Listen, know. man, you can find anything on the internet. You look hard enough. Um, was it 39 yards, 44 yards, 49 yards, or 37 yards? Average. Average. Season average. God, this is tough. I'm going to go his senior year. I'm going to go 44 yards. That's a correct. That's correct. It's also that 44 yards, Brent, I don't know if you know this, third, he ranks third all time for a season average in Minnesota high school football with that 44 yards. I did not. I remember 44-1 was my average. I did not know that that was third all time, but I was first team AP All-State punter. No, I, I can't believe you found that online. It's on a couple of what's the uh, Yeah, it's on a couple of Left foot or right foot, Brent? Right foot. Right foot. Yeah. I could probably do either. Scoot, could you out punt him? Could you out punt um, him? 44. <laughs> That's tough. My left foot would be better at it. I could do right foot. I think left foot I've got more power. So if I if I were to come close, it would have to be with my left. <laughs> hey, playing in Minnesota too, some of those balls uh late in the season are not um very oh, friendly. They're not, foot, friendly. they're not foot friendly. No. You don't get you don't they don't they didn't have a ball warmer over on the sidelines for you? No. <laughs> Uh, so that we're all tied up there. Correct answer by Johnson ties us up five apiece. And Scoot, this question is back to you. While playing Florida State in the 97 NIT quarterfinal, Brent was called with an intentional foul against the future Washington Wizard and Dallas Maverick player. Who was that player? Was it James Collins, Randall Jackson, Bob Sura, or Charlie Ward? That's a good question. I don't know if I know the answer to that. Who are the first three? Randall Jackson, James Collins, and Bob Sura. I'm going to go with uh, Randall Jackson. That's correct answer. And I, I, the moment I asked that question, I knew that Brent uh, remembered that intentional foul. Today. Yeah, I actually do. I had two intentional fouls in all of college, and thank you for uh, reminding me of that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I apologize. No, all good. Two that I remember. Uh, okay. No, you weren't happy about that call, I guess, is what you're saying. No, I think it might have been a breakaway, and I think it might have been like one that either sealed the game or it was it, it was, was already buckets. over at that point. I think if I remember correctly, I'd have to go back. I think you had a good game that game. I, I honestly don't remember. I think, I think you did. That's, that's think one you did. of the games that I, I do not remember. All right, so Scoot wins, uh, gets the correct answer. He's up 10-5 to five over Johnson. Johnson, this next question is back to you. During his freshman season – how many games did Brent start at WVU? Was it 3, 15, 22, or 26? Uh, again, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with 15 games. 
No, that's incorrect. Not his freshman season. Scoot, back to you for the 10 points in the steal. Was it three, 26, or 22? I'm going to say it's it's that's on the high end. Um, I'm going to venture to guess. I'm trying to think in a typical season. Uh, I'm going to say 26. That's correct. 26, all of them. Every single one of them he started that year. 26 that's uh, ten points for you, Scoot, on the steal, and you now. I think I know him better than you, Johnson. Oh, this is I'm so distraught right now. I'm trying not to think about. I'm it. Just saying, it's kind of embarrassing for you. This Johnson. is this was in your wheelhouse, son. It should be yes. Yeah. Woo. Oh, that's <laughs> all good. we need is more confidence for Scoot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, Scoot. Uh, good steal. And this next question is back to you. All right. During his career at WVU, what did Brent have more of total? All right. Did he have more blocks, steals, three-pointers, or free-throw percentage? What was a higher total number? Oh, uh, I'm going to say blocks. Sorry, that's incorrect. It is not blocks. Johnson, for 10 points and the steal, is it steals, three-pointers, or free-throw percentage? Career. Uh, yeah, during his career. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go free-throw percentage. That's incorrect. It's actually steals. Had more steals during his career than free throw percentage or blocks. I've got it according to... How many steals did Brent have? According to sportsreference.com, total steals, 79. Oh, okay. Total blocks, 64. All right. I pegged, him, I pegged him for not as many steals. Brent, did you think... When he said free throw percentage, what did you think? I thought for sure it was not steals. I would have picked steals as my last. (laughs) Mr. Green. Obviously, I don't know my stats that well. (laughs) I know when I graduated, I was 10th all-time in block shots, which now is, you know, way, way lower since then. But uh, I would not have gotten that question. That that would actually be the first one I would not have gotten right. You're uh, a couple of little stats. We should have done this early off. You're fifth all time in field goal percentage. Yeah. Um, in, in there. And you're 19th right now all time in blocks. Okay. Now they grow them like seven foot all over the place. Yes, so. they do. All right. So going into uh, final bluff here, guys. Scoot, you have a lead over Johnson 25 to 5. We're always at this winner take all situation here, guys. And uh, so 25 points gets you uh, the right answer on this one. As we always do, guys, we'd like to have you have your own buzzer. Scoot, what's your buzzer this week? Uh, clank. Clank. Off the rim. All right. Johnson, what do you got for a buzzer this week? 98. 98. Thinking about that Sweet 16 team. All right. Here we go, guys. Final question. Final bluff for the win. Brent famously also tried to be a punter for WVU in the 98, with the 98 football team, but it didn't work out. What future... XFL NFL kicker did the punting for the 1998 WVU football team. Was it Mike Vanderjack, Jay Taylor, Todd James, or Mark Fazilari? Clank. All right, Scoot, you think you got this? Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Mike Vanderjack. Sorry, that's incorrect. Johnson for 25 points and the win. Was it Jay Taylor? Todd James or Mark Fazilari? Mm, I'm trying to think so hard of time. Uh, I'm going to go with Taylor. 
That's correct. Jay Taylor was the punter on that team. 25 points. Johnson gets the win. Oh Thirty. And I redeem myself on Solheim this Trivia. This happiest garbage. moment ever of this podcast. It's a f- <laughs> false oh, win. Man, hey, I, I wanted to play um, the 98 football season. After I had two punts in the spring game, I averaged 40.5 after taking off four years of, of football. But I told um, – I was going to tell Neelan that I wanted to uh, – you know, play, play tight end. I wanted to see if I could, you know, I'd have to put on some weight, you know, in four or five months, whatever. And, and I would end up backing up Anthony Beck. Of course, I'm not going to beat him out of his position, but uh, he said that I was welcome to play football in the fall, but I would have to pay for my own school. Um, If I didn't basketball, since I was, my eligibility was over with basketball, basketball could still pay for my school but if I wanted to play football, I would have to pay for my own school. And, and I said, uh, I'm good. <laughs> I, but it's just funny that I felt like, hey, I'll, I'll earn it by playing in the fall. But they're like, no, you can't because other schools would um, bring people in under different you know, teams and then have them play or whatever. So I was just like, oh, oh okay. thank you for the opportunity. But uh you know, I'm going to continue to go to school for free. You could have been the next uh, Antonio Gates. Yeah, I, d- I doubt that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I, I did have the opportunity. I could have played, but I would have just had to pay for my own school that fall, and I wasn't going to do that. Well, that's crazy. That's I'm a little ticked that I lost. Not going to lie. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I was You were so close. I thought you had it. Listen, it's not. I'm I'm not going to accept it as a win until it's certified. That's true. I need this win to be certified before I accept well, it as a win. We'll we'll get it up and make sure we get it certified. Can we get somebody to tally the points again for me, please? <laughs> Congratulations, Johnson. Yes. You now have stressed your lead back over Scoot 14 games to 11, but there's still time left, Scoot. Don't fret. My most proud BTF win ever in the book, Scoot. Oh, my God. Weakest, maybe. <laughs> Brent, thank you so much, man. It was awesome having you on this week. Hey, thank you, guys. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Yeah, we'll have you back a couple times this season, talk about some basketball and, and hear what's going on. So, well, listen, everybody, we take a break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about this week's WVU football matchup against Oklahoma. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. Don't forget, check out our website and our merch section. All you got to do is go to gotyourearson.com. Johnson, it's sort of like the hub of everything for us. Yeah, and the links are all there. So we always put the uh, latest blog post that has all the links to the stuff we talk about. And then on the show page, you can find the links to the merch store. So get in there and check off your uh, your Christmas list. And then you can listen 
last but not least the link to the latest show is right there in the sidebar so check it out guys super awesome having brent on this week and excited that he's going to be on off and on throughout the season it's going to be a good time yeah super excited that was great i think that uh, it, you know it, i think that it's going to be good for us and i think it'll be good for our listeners just to hear yeah you know that that perspective of somebody who's a little bit more in touch with the program yeah for sure well, I guess basketball stuff aside, we've talked nothing but basketball for the last 45, 50 minutes. Let's finish it up with a little bit of football talk. West Virginia is playing Oklahoma Saturday night, 7.30, ABC, primetime game, guys. Yeah, and how, like, so in normal circumstances, I would be going nuts. A primetime night game in Morgantown. It just, it's a little disappointing that we're going to be, you know, oh, I don't know, uh, sub sub capacity, but I'm still pumped. I'm still excited and uh, a really cool what I think a cool opportunity for coach Brown to get kind of a statement you know build on win uh, Saturday night scoot ABC is that Herb Street is Herb Street coming to Morgantown I don't know I I think had our record had we not lost to Texas Tech maybe Herbie and the, and the fellas Fowler and the crew come to uh, to see that game I don't know I mean, I think it's amazing, you know, a night game, primetime, Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, it's all the right things, except for the fact that it's only 15,000 people in the stands. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma's picked by 10.5 points right now. The over-under is 55. So, I mean, everything is skewing Oklahoma's way. And as Scoot predicted, uh, you know, I feel like we could spend the next hour talking about Spencer Rattler. Because that's about oh, all that happened on Saturday with Spencer Rattler. That's all we're going to hear. Yeah. Well, and I think how um, how us is it that if you watched this Oklahoma team early in the season, let's say you watched the first two or three games of Oklahoma, then I would say that you don't really know the Oklahoma team that we'll be seeing Saturday night. I think they've gotten some players back. I think they're hitting on all cylinders. I think if you watched... You know, even just speaking of Spencer Rattler, if you watched him maybe in his first one or two games manning the offense, if you then compare that to maybe the last two games, I think even with him alone, you see growth of a of a brand new quarterback. I think he's only a freshman, right? So he's grown um, leaps and bounds as well. So, and I also think their defense is playing a lot better, Guido. You know, I watch if you if if you had the opportunity to watch them play Oklahoma State this past Saturday, it didn't take you even uh, a series. It it took me maybe two plays of watching yeah. Oklahoma State on offense to, to realize one thing, Scoot, for sure. Their offensive line was totally overmatched. Um, and Oklahoma's defense just, they're, they're confident, they're cocky, they're uh, they're in your face. They're aggressive. So I think really on both sides of the ball, Oklahoma's coming in. I know people are probably looking at their record five and two, but they're coming in as a, t- a top ten team. I'm sorry. I mean they just are. Yeah, I don't. I'm not excited to really see them per se. I guess. I, I guess I can make one prediction that the schooner shall not topple this coming Saturday yeah, not this week it well, was funny it was funny you say that because during the broadcast against Oklahoma State they kept mentioning about how it was a new schooner this year and how they've shortened the wheelbase <laughs> right, and done all these things so it right. doesn't turn over it was like a Honda commercial yeah it was like a Honda commercial but Johnson I think you hit it like right on the nose one of the biggest things for Oklahoma that we've seen in the last three games for Oklahoma 
um, is Ramondre Stevenson is back. Yeah. You know, after not playing those first couple of games, is and back. Guido, a, he looks like a beast. He is a beast. He averaging he's averaging six yards a carry. Um, more, you know, I think he's averaging over well over a hundred yards per game since he's been back. So I think that's a that's a big thing. And I think the interesting stat to come out of this weekend or going into this weekend, I should say, for WVU is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the eighth number rated passing offense in the NCAA. WVU number one passing defense in NCAA. So yeah. it's going to be a lot of offense defense talk. And and the and again, it's the same thing we've been saying every game, and it's frustrating to say it. But can our offense, WVU's offense, keep up? with what WVU's defense allows them to do, which is, is probably going to be stopping Oklahoma from scoring. We have to be able to keep up with the scoring that they do allow. Yeah, well, you just took the you just beat me to the punch because I think can't you see, Scoot, this being another 50-pass attempt game for Jarrett Dagey if that offensive line can't get Letty going? You know, that's my fear is that you, you made the comment, you know, the last couple of weeks – you know when Letty can't get going then you're into this like quick slants bubble screens you know trying to get guys out in space and then you look at you look up at the box score and Deggie's got you know 50 plus passing attempts and Scoot's not excited about any of them no I don't want to rely on on his passing to help us win a game that scares me to be honest I just think you can you can see that right Guido because that becomes your running game if you can't get a push Um, now look hopefully I'm wrong hopefully they prove me wrong. I, and I'm not saying I think that's what's going to happen necessarily, but I think right off the bat, watching them play Saturday night, and maybe it's Bedlam, maybe it's a rivalry game, their defense may be a little amped up, but they were super aggressive. And that was my thought watching this game is, you know, hopefully WVU's offensive line can can raise, you know, rise to the challenge and, and handle this and, and still get a push for Letty to find some room to run. Otherwise, yeah, that's that's going to be tough. That's going to be putting the, the the defense right back on the field. I'm afraid. Well, th- this is one of those times. Where I, and again, this is twice I've done this in this show. I've agreed with Scooty. This is one of those <laughs> times. Where, <laughs> I hate that. You guys know I hate that. I I actually might be with Scoot on this. Like I think it ha- WVU has to come out. They have to be. It's a prime time game. I know there's not going to be fans in the stands, but or there are going to be, but only fi- a short amount of fans. They've got to come out. There has to be energy. It has to be exciting. Because if yeah. it's not. I think Oklahoma just walks all over him. I'm curious to see what kind of swagger Spencer Rattler comes out with. I mean, he's a pretty confident kid. I mean, I think he he's you know he was QB one. He was on the show QB one. He's he's uh, highly touted. I'm interested to see what kind of swagger he has and whether or not WVU's defensive line and or uh, Tony Fields and the linebackers can maybe knock him down a peg. I think if we can knock him down a peg in the first quarter, we have a chance of keeping the game fairly close and competitive. If he comes out guns blazing and they're scoring touchdowns on the first two times they have the ball, we're going to have a tough time. Well, yeah. I think I, I'm excited for it. I'm not going to lie because I love our defense. I think we have playmakers on defense galore. I think they'll be pumped and they'll they'll rise to the occasion. I think – Tyke Smith, 
a die. I think these guys in our secondary are going to lock on these Oklahoma receivers and make it tough for Spencer Rattler. What I worry about, to be honest, and especially again, you know, having having watched their game Saturday night against Oklahoma State, Spence, Spencer Rattler can and will run the ball, and he's super mobile. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, Tony Fields and people are probably going to be spying, I'm sure. But that if I had to if I had to like peg something that I'm a little bit worried about is more his feet and his mobility than it is really him bombing uh, bombing passes down the field. I think our secondary can meet the challenge. I think it's just going to be tough containing him, Scoot. So you're probably right. If we can get to him, pressure him, knock him down, then yeah, that that would bode well. Well, here we go, guys. 13 days off since our last game. We're playing Oklahoma this Saturday, 7:30 on ABC Prime Time Network game. I am going to say, as much as I want to pick WVU and I want to be the homer, I just can't in this game. Oklahoma's picked by 10.5 points. I'm going to say it's 35-28 Oklahoma over West Virginia. Okay. Johnson, what do you got? Uh, You know, I think these defenses are both super aggressive. They're both super good. I think they're coming in both with a chip on their shoulder. I think the game is going to be – in the low 20s, I can see it being like a like a 24-21, 24-17. I think I'm gonna go, I think I'm gonna go 24-17 OU. All right, Scooty, what are you thinking, buddy? Well, uh I wish I could be more optimistic. I'm gonna say uh, Oklahoma 35, WVU 17. All right. So we are not too uh, favorable about this team. We'll have to find out. You know, WVU, uh, this is going to be – this could be – you know, everybody's been talking about we need the Neil Brown game. We need the game – Statement win. The statement win. This could be it. It just depends all on what happens Saturday night. I think it's going to be a big game. Yeah, well, and Guido, really quick too, I think it's interesting that the two people that everyone's talking about, the two teams that everyone's talking about right now – um, they're just kind of assuming that Iowa State and Oklahoma are kind of on a crash course to de- now determine the conference. I think it's interesting that WVU plays its part one way or another in both of these teams' outcomes. I mean, they have to face us over the next the next two games. So, um, you know, WVU could really be – I mean, it's an opportunity. I think it's going to be super tough. I think both the teams are playing great. I think Oklahoma's coming in. Like I said, I think they're a top-10 team. Um but it's going to be interesting. I, I think, like Scoot said, we get some energy. We get the defense fired up. It'd be great to get Letty going. Who knows? I'm excited. It's It'll be interesting. Iowa State just beat the pants off of K-State this weekend, 45 to nothing. Yeah, demolished them. Oklahoma, Iowa State, two ranked teams, 14 and 15 right now in the AP polls that came out. So you're talking about two teams that are right there together. West Virginia has to either – Face them both and go through them to get to the Big uh, 12 championship game and or lose both games and we all hang our heads and <laughs> play in the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Um, guys, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope everybody's super excited. This is uh, this is this week, you know, unless things change in the next couple of days, this week is like a great West Virginia sports week. I'm so excited. Yes. Wednesday, basketball game. Thursday, basketball game. Friday, basketball game. And Saturday, primetime football game. I'm sitting in front of my TV for the next couple. I mean, of days. come on! What more do you want? It's it's perfect. Uh, all those games are on ESPN or ABC as the football game is. So definitely check it out. 
thanks to Brett Solheim for joining us. It's going to be great having him on the show this season. Guys, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back next week. Don't forget, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also look for us on Facebook and check out our website, GotYourEarsOn.com. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Your Ears On.